I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Hey folks, Dr. Joe Esposito here. What we're talking today, uh, our topic is uh, a study that came out, uh, it, was, it was by the FDA, and it said that eating red meat is okay. And it worries me because people read that and say, well, the FDA says it's okay. And they'll ignore all the other studies that have come out previously, and I'm sure the ones are going to come out in the future, that talk about the dangers of it. So in the first part of the show, we talked about the dangers of what happens in meat. And we're kind of wrapping up. I want to wrap up on this and move on. I've got so much to cover on how you cook the animal products. So to summarize, cooking food at high temperatures for long periods increases the risk of toxic byproducts by causing cancer-causing ingredients or parts that form. So studies linked to a high red meat diet intake on several types of cancer, including digestive tract cancer, prostate cancer, kidney, breast cancers. However, in nearly every study, the association between cancer and well-done meat, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, heterocyclic amines, uh, it's, it's that, not so much the red meat itself. So it's not just the meat, it's actually how you cook the meat. These studies indicate that high, uh, high heat cooking had a very strong effect on all cancers, colon cancer having the strongest association with red meat intake. With dozens of studies reporting a connection, uh, red meat cooked at high temperatures may increase cancer risk, white meat, doesn't seem to have the same effect. It's still not good for you, but uh, that seems to be a little different than the white meat. In addition to toxic compounds created during this high heat cooking, heme iron, iron that's found in the blood of the animals, may play a role in colon cancer development. So in addition, some researchers believe processed meat may potentially lead to inflammation of the colon that increases your risk of cancer. So once again, why take the risk? Let's assume I'm wrong. Not, but let's assume I'm wrong. Why would you take that risk to find out that later on you went, oh, wow, Dr. Joe was right. And I am right, by the way. But if you still argue with me, I'm not a gambling man. If, I, if, if there's a risk on there, I'm going to try to avoid it. So how about red meat and heart disease? Several large studies explore meat intake and heart disease, and have found an increased risk with processed products, processed meats. In 2010, researchers performed a massive review of 20 studies, including over 1.2 million people. They found that consuming processed meat appeared to increase the risk of heart disease by 42%. Why would you take that chance? What about type 2 diabetes? Several large studies have also shown an association between processed and red meat and type 2 diabetes. We always talk about sugar. Nobody talks about the meat component of type 2 diabetes. A review of uh, three different studies found that consuming more than half a serving of red meat daily increased your risk of developing diabetes within four years by 30%. What about meat and weight control and obesity? Eat more protein, lose weight. Several observational studies linked high intake of red meat and processed meat to obesity. This includes a review of 39 different studies, including the data from 1.1 million people. So short term, your body, you start eating a high protein diet and you eat, you know, you've seen these diets, you know, uh, uh, you're eating the meats and the bacon and, and you're, gosh, I'm losing weight like crazy and it works. Yeah, short term. But long-term, what happens is if you put a lot of protein in the body and don't put carbohydrates in the body, the liver goes into something called gluconeogenesis. The liver starts producing its own sugar from proteins. 
So even though you're not eating sugars, over time, your body needs the sugar to function. And I've heard the arguments that, you know, you can run on ketones and the body is more effective in the ketone. I don't know where that comes from. Short term, perhaps. We've seen studies patients with seizures. We get them on a ketogenic diet, works great. It's awesome. Now, when I say carbohydrates, I'm not talking about breads, cookies, cakes, donuts, pastas. No, 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 no. I'm talking about if you're eating lentils or beans, quinoa, which is a very low-carb grain. It's actually a seed. Uh, even nuts and seeds have some carbohydrates in them. That's okay. But when you go to this high-protein diet, those proteins have to be broken down. And on our website, drjoe.com, we did a show not long ago on how much protein do you really need. And every single day, a day doesn't go by, Somebody says, where do you get your protein from if you don't eat animal products? And I, I really want to just hand them a card and say, yeah, obviously I'm dying of protein deficiency. I haven't had animal proteins in 34 years. I'm okay. Now, you got to eat right too. You can't just say, well, I'm going to eat cookies and cakes and donuts and I'm going to eat a plant-based diet because they come from plants. No, you got to eat a good diet. Regardless of whether you're eating animal products or not, you need to be eat, adding the fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds into your diet. When you do, you'll be very happy that you did. So... Uh, the epidemics of dietary disease have promoted a great deal of research in what humans are meant to eat for optimum health. Even way back in 1985, one article was published proposing that our chronic diseases stem from a disconnect between what our bodies evolved eating during the Stone Age during the last two million years. And what we're suffering, uh, uh, what we're suffering today came from that. So advocating for return to, uh, towards a hunter-gatherer type diet of lean meat, fruits, vegetables, and nuts Though it may be reasonable to assume our nutritional requirements were established in prehistoric past, the question of which prehistoric past remains, I covered that earlier. They'll say, okay, let's go back two million years and that's what we should be eating. But why just the last two million years? We've been evolving for 25 million years, some scientists say. Uh, if we go back to, if you, under, if you think that we came from great apes, 25 million years has been the evolution. So during that time, our, our nutrient requirements, our digestive physiology, that's how we formed. It was set down at that time. And therefore, probably little affected by this hunter-gatherer days toward the tail end for just 2 million years. We had 25 million years before that to get to the 2 million years. So what were we eating in the first 90% of our time on Earth? We ate what the rest of the great apes ended up eating, about 95% plants. This can explain why we're so susceptible to things like heart disease. Most of human evolution... Cholesterol may have been virtually absent from our diet. We didn't eat animal products. There was no bacon and butter and trans fats and massive amounts of, of animal products, but there was massive amounts of fiber. And what fiber does is it goes through the colon and it wraps around any cholesterol that's in the colon and carries it out of the system. So the way the body works is like this. Your liver, which is on your right side, your liver produces cholesterol and you need cholesterol. Cholesterol is vital for life. I'm gonna cover this in just a second. So the liver dumps it into the gallbladder, any leftovers. The gallbladder squirts it into the intestine where, where it helps break down fat. And then the fiber will wrap around this cholesterol and carry it out of the system. If you're eating a low fiber diet or if you're in a high cholesterol diet, we're not getting rid of this cholesterol. So this can be a problem since our body needs, to, needs a certain amount of cholesterol. So our bodies didn't just evolve to make cholesterol, but it actually preserved it and recycled it. That's the whole thing with cholesterol. Research, we, we did a show on cholesterol not long ago. It's on the website, drjoe.com. And we talked about cholesterol. And it may not be that your body's producing too much cholesterol. It might be that you're, and this is what the study seems to point to now, 
that your liver isn't recycling the old stuff. So if you have too high cholesterol in your blood, we can give you medication, and the medication can help lower your cholesterol levels. Works great. Statin drugs work great for lowering cholesterol. However, it's the big but. The big but says that if you have too much cholesterol in your body, we can reduce the function of production of it, or we can fix the liver so we can recycle it. And those cholesterol medications not only lower your production of cholesterol, they also lower your production of something called CoQ10. And CoQ10, or coenzyme Q10, is a nutrient that's absolutely vital. It gets into the cells and allows the cells to generate electricity. And without CoQ10, those cells start to get weak. And the cells get tired, and they can't generate electricity, so they can't generate energy. And so you might get weak and tired. Your muscles may just feel flabby. And that's why people take statin drugs, tell me all the time, Dr. Joe, I just feel so weak. I, I don't want to do what I used to do. But not just your biceps and your triceps. How about your heart? Your heart's a muscle. How about your reproductive organs? They're muscles. How about your blood vessels, your colon? And so if you're not getting the CoQ10, the coenzyme Q10 that your body needs, everything gets weak. And so there's a lot of studies out there pointing to the fact that people with high cholesterol don't die of a heart attack. They die of the heart not being able to contract like it's supposed to because it just doesn't have the CoQ10 in there. And so we need cholesterol in our diet. And our body is, it's so important that your body recycles it. Our bodies have evolved to hold on to cholesterol. And so if you think the human body has a cholesterol, uh, is as a con cholesterol conserving machine, and then plop in the modern world with bacon and eggs and cheese and chicken and pork, well, guess what? No wonder our artery, uh, artery clogging heart disease is our number one cause of death. Our body's trying to hold on to cholesterol. You're giving it more cholesterol, the body says, I want to hold on to that too. I need this cholesterol to produce hormones to make the body work. The cells, your cell walls have a lipoprotein layer around it. Lipo meaning fat. So your cell walls have cholesterol in it. That's why when you eat animal flesh or animal cells, it has cholesterol in it. So cholesterol is so important, our body holds on to it. So when the body gets a lot of cholesterol, it goes, woohoo, I'm going to hold on to it even more. And then we toxify our liver. We eat a lot of sugars and alcohols that make the liver uh, become fatty, what's called non-alcoholic fatty liver or alcoholic fatty liver. Now the liver can't recycle like it's supposed to, and we're trying to hold on to it. And so what used to be so adaptive for 90% of the time we've been on this earth, holding on to cholesterol at all costs, since we aren't getting much in our diet, now has become maladaptive. It's become a liability, leading to things like clogged arteries. Our bodies just can't handle that much cholesterol. It's got plenty on its own. It doesn't need any outside source. So as the editor-in-chief of American Journal of Cardiology noted 25 years ago, this is not new research, no matter how much fat and cholesterol carnivores eat, we take a dog, for example, they do not develop arteriosclerosis. We can feed a dog 500 eggs worth of cholesterol and a stick of butter, and they wag their tail and they're happy. But their bodies evolved from wolves, and they're used to eating and getting rid of excess cholesterol. Their body is designed to eat and get rid of. Our body is designed to eat and store. So within a few months, a fraction of that cholesterol that you would give a dog that they just pass out can start clogging up their arteries if animals like us are adapted to a plant-based diet. So even if our bodies are designed by natural selection to eat mostly fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, for most of the time, 90% of the time we've been on this earth, why didn't we adapt to a meat eating in the last 10% during what's called the Paleolithic era? Why didn't we change? 
Well, we had nearly 2 million years to get used to that extra saturated fat and cholesterol. That's the Paleolithic era. If a lifetime of eating like that clogs up nearly everyone's arteries, why didn't those genes, why didn't we evolve so we don't get heart attacks and die off and get replaced by those who could live to a ripe old age with clean arteries? That's the whole point. We evolve and the strong survive. Regardless of what we ate, the people that were weak, they should have died off and the genes would have been passed on for those who can. But most didn't survive to old age. We didn't live long enough back then to, 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 for enough to get heart attacks. The average life expectancy during the Paleolithic era was about 25 years. When the genes that got passed along are those that can just get us to reproductive age and by any means necessary, and that means not dying of starvation. So higher calorie foods, the better. Meat was high in calories. So eating lots of bone marrow and brains and, and uh, human and otherwise, whatever we were eating, would have had selective advantage, as, it was dis as would be discovering, uh, let's say, a, a store of uh, uh, cookies or cakes. High-calorie foods, we would have scoffed them down just to keep us alive for about 25 years. So we would live just long enough to keep our kids alive to get to puberty, to pass on our genes. We weren't necessary anymore. And that happens now, too. We look at people as we get older, and a lot of the things we used to be able to do, we can't do anymore. One of us make babies. Now, men can make babies into ripe old age, but women, after a certain period, their body says, you know what? I'm old enough. I, I wouldn't have a healthy baby at this point anymore. So nature says, we're going to stop your ability to make babies. So that's how nature works. Pass on the genes. Pass on the genes. Now, if we eat right and stay healthy, we can kind of uh, avoid some of those uh, premature deaths and live a lot longer. So we didn't have to evolve any protection against the ravages of chronic diseases because we didn't live long enough. So to find a population nearly free of chronic disease in old age, people that live a long time, don't have a lot of chronic diseases, we'd have to go back a couple million years, I don't know, maybe to the 20th century. Networks of missionary hospitals in rural Africa found coronary heart disease virtually absent, but not just heart disease. This is rural Africa, again, uh, tribes that were untouched by modern society. No high blood pressure, no stroke, no diabetes, no common cancers, on down the list, the things we die of every day. So in a sense, these populations, rural China and Africa, were eating the type of diet we ate for 90% of our last uh, 20 or so million years. So a diet almost exclusively made of what? Fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. So how do we know this was a diet that protected them and not something else? So in a 25-year update to the original paleo paper, this is the doctors that wrote about the paleo diet and how good it was, they tried to clarify that they did not then, and they do not now, propose that people adapt a particular diet based on what their ancestors ate. So they were saying, yeah, well, our ancestors ate it, but maybe we weren't trying to tell you that. We were just telling you what they ate. So dietary recommendations must be put to the test. That's why we have modern researchers, Pritikin, Ornish, Esselstein, these researchers are so important. They show that a plant-based diet can not only stop heart disease, but can, be, can help uh, been proven to reverse heart disease in a majority of patients. That's the whole thing. Before these researchers came out, heart disease was forever. Nothing was reversible. Then we had Pritikin, we had Esselstein, and they came out and they said, no, we can re reverse it. Uh, McDougall was another one. Okay, we can reverse it. Here's the research to show. People with heart disease, they do this lifestyle, and in most cases, we reverse the heart disease. And it works for most diseases. So why would we argue these points? And why would we take the chance?
Even if, the, if you argue with the research, why would you take that chance? Indeed, it's the only diet, fruit, plant-based diet, that has ever, perhaps, because that's what that's ever worked, because that's what we ate through a, a vast majority of our evolution. I'm assuming that's why it works. So we're going back old school. And in fact, when patients come in our offices, I'll say to them, listen, you can eat whatever you want. I'm going to see you as a chiropractic patient. Uh, we're going to do stem cells in our office. I'm going to see you as a stem cell patient. But here's what I'd like for you to do. Whether you do it or not is totally up to you. I can't make you change your diet, but I can give you the facts. The facts are hard to dispute. So try it and see. Like I said earlier, let's do a 60-day test. Let's do a test and change your diet. Let's eat more fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. If you don't know what to eat, go to our website, drjoe.com. Type in, so what can I eat? And you'll come up with a lecture that I did on breakfast, lunches, dinner, snacks. If you like reading, we have a book written on it called Eating Right for the Health of It. It tells you how to change your diet. If you go to parties, if you're raising kids, stock your pantry, unstock your pantry. Tons of information on the website, drjoe.com. So my challenge is this, 60 days. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So what? You saved a couple of bucks, you ate some good food, you go back to your old diet. We'll always see you as a patient no matter what. You don't have to change your diet to become our patient. But when you see the changes, and you'll be like everybody else, why didn't I do this sooner? And you'll say, wow, this makes sense. I always laugh. I love a, a woman to whisper in my ear those three words every man loves to hear. That makes sense. And it makes perfect sense. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So there's no downside to trying this. And I do recommend that along with doing this, or even if you don't do this, at least get some good nutrients in your body. The minimum supplements I recommend are Dr. Joe's Super Greens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. They're two powders. They taste great. I mix them up with coconut milk, almond milk. A lot of people just mix it with water, make a smoothie out of it. I don't care how you get it in your system. Get it there. Had a patient email me just yesterday. Would Super Greens and Essential Source be safe for my six-year-old six autistic son? And I said, absolutely yes. Because if the brain is already challenged, we want to make sure it's getting all the nutrients it can get to function the best it possibly can. And we've had patients from all walks of life, all diseases, and very seldom do patients not get very good results in our office. Not always. We can't guarantee results. But in most cases, we get very good results. And the only time I see patients not getting results is when they don't do what we say. Well, I tried it. I ate a carrot once, and I didn't feel good, so I didn't eat it again. Well, you got to give it a shot, folks. It's going to take a little bit of time. So fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, minimum supplements, super greens, an essential source. we got a bunch of other ones. Uh, you go to website, drjoe.com, and you can see why I recommend other supplements. I take a handful of supplements every day, along with eating mostly fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. So let me get back to where we started. I, I kind of drifted off there. You should pay attention to those uh, guidelines. Should you pay attention to these guidelines that just came out where the FDA said it's okay to eat meat? Now, for years, public health officials have urged Americans to cut back on eating red meat and especially processed meats due to cardiovascular health, cancer, other health concerns. But now, this new report from a panel of researchers is saying otherwise, and a lot of confusion is out there. Once again, whenever a report comes out, people say, Dr. Joe, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Now, I can't look up every single thing out there. People send me products. What do you think of this product? I can't look up every one. I don't have time to do that. But the guidelines are pretty clear, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. These new guidelines, released in the Annals of Internal Medicine, say that there's no need to cut back on red, red meat and processed meat. However, Washington Post reports that the group who put this out, it's from the Washington Post, not me, has a partnership with an arm of Texas A&M University partially funded by the beef industry. Once again, follow the money. Guidelines have triggered a bit of an uproar amongst other researchers and health organizations who disagree not only with the group's conclusions, but also with their methods. 
Once again, if I'm going to give you a lot of money and I'm going to say, I want you to say your favorite color is blue, what are you going to tell me? My favorite color is blue. So it's, really, it's hard to get unbiased. I'll be honest with you, I'm biased. I'm being biased because I like a plant-based diet. So Dr. Frank Hu, H-U, he's the chair of research department of nutrition department at Harvard, uh, the T.H. Chan School of Public Medicine. He deemed the report irresponsible. Harvard has, been even devote, has even devoted a page on their website refuting the new recommendations. So I'm, I'm going to be with Harvard on this one. They point out that the group's meat-friendly conclusions contradict evidence found within their own meta-analysis, which we talked about earlier. Meta-analysis is reviewing a bunch of different studies. Uh, Dr. Hu also says that the methodology the group used to scrutinize the previously published data is inappropriate for nutritional research. They deem that the conclusions, at, uh, they, the conclusions are at odds with a large body of evidence which indicates the higher intake of red meat, especially processed meat, and in fact is associated, more red meat, with higher risk of type 2 diabetes, heart disease, certain types of cancers, even premature death. So cooked red meat and processed meat is also sources of cancer-causing substances, and in fact, the World Health Organization declared that processed red meat is a carcinogen. Okay, so we've got lots of research out there. One study comes out, don't jump on it. Strong link to colon cancer, red meat. The data revealed that nearly every daily 50-gram portion of processed meat, that's meat that's been cured, salted, smoked, or preserved, like ham, bacon, sausages, ups your risk of colon cancer by 18%. Wow. So what about type 2 diabetes? As many as, many as one in three adults have this disease. And by 2050, not far from now, if current trends continue, according to the Centers for Disease, Centers for disease Control Prevention, a study based on the Harvard data published in Journal of the American Medical Association found that men and women who increased their red, red meat consumption by more than half a serving a day, that's not much, increased their risk of developing diabetes uh, for the subsequent four years by 48%. So you increase your risk of diabetes now. Number one drug people take when they come to my office is blood pressure medication. Now we've done shows on blood pressure. Go to our website, drjoe.com. You can listen to our shows on blood pressure. If you have to take medicine, absolutely take it. I am not against you taking medicine. If you have to have surgery, have surgery. But with all the research that's out there on diet, all the research that's out there on chiropractic, all the research that's out there on supplements, I can't imagine why you wouldn't do the most conservative thing first. Chiropractic is the most effective, least expensive treatment for back pain, by far. Study after study. It's all there. So why wouldn't you do that first? And then we add the nutrition. Again, at least Dr. Su Dr. Joe's Supergreens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. Try to eat a plant-based diet, mostly fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. If you have digestive issues, acid reflux, heartburn, burping, gas, bloating, many times what we find in our offices, your stomach is actually pushing up against your diaphragm. And we have an adjustment that I've taught my doctors where we can adjust or pull the stomach down away from the diaphragm. And when you do, many cases of heartburn, acid reflux, burping, gas, chronic cough, sinus problems, go away. Because we're treating the cause of the problem, not just treating the symptoms. So if we can get the spine and all the joints lined up the best we can, pull the stomach away from the diaphragm, get you on a good diet, get you on some supplements like Super Greens, Essential Source. In the winter, I take vitamin D because vitamin D helps the immune system. Studies have shown that in many cases, especially years where the flu vaccine doesn't match the flu, that vitamin D is more effective for helping re uh, avoid the flu than even a flu vaccine. Depends on the year and the match, and that's a whole nother show. I don't think we need to go into that today. So the research is there. Try the most conservative approach. Many times when patients have arthritis, we recommend stem cells or something called PRP, protein-rich plasma. We can inject their own stem cells into the joint, and the stem cells can regenerate. 
the joints. That's new research that's so exciting in healthcare. And then if we need to go a little more aggressive, let's do it. Maybe we do need some drugs. Maybe we do need uh, an ablation. We can burn it, chemically burn a nerve, it's called, where we can numb the nerve. Maybe we need surgery. Maybe we need physical therapy. Maybe we need counseling. So we try to start the most conservative approach we can and then build up from there. And so when I see studies like this that say we should increase our, oh, it's okay to eat red meat, it flies in the face of everything we've been taught. And I know from years of experience that that's not true. The less animal products we eat in general, the healthier we're going to be. And try to eat something raw at every meal as well. And that would be broccoli, cucumbers, tomatoes, avocados, salad. This is not hard, folks. It's easy. And this is the cool part, too. It's cheaper than anything you're doing right now. So if you have any questions, go to my website, drjoe.com. Type in what you're looking for in the search bar. Hit enter. Chances are we've written articles. We've done shows, audios, videos. Do that first. If you still can't find the answer to what you're looking for, send me a question. I'm more than happy to answer your questions for you. If you want to get the supplements we talk about, in the Atlanta area, you can pick them up in our offices in Marietta, Duluth, Stockbridge, and West Cobb. Save some shipping. If you're not in the Atlanta area, it's not convenient for you, we can mail them to you. That's not a problem. Uh, if, if you want to make an appointment, come see us. Do you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, headaches, numbness, tingling? Raise your hands. If you do, stop suffering needlessly. Go to our website, drjoe.com. Make an appointment right now. I hate to see people suffer if they don't have to. We can't help everyone, but we can help almost everyone. And again, if you have any questions, you want to listen to videos or audios, go to the website, drjoe.com. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on the WSB Radio app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.